Second Chronicles chapter 16 gives us part of the story of the life of Asa. Second Chronicles chapter 16, and we begin reading at verse 1 in Jesus' name. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and fortified Ramah in order to prevent anyone from going out or coming in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa brought out silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who lived in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me, as between my father and your father. Behold, I have sent you silver and gold. Go break your treaty with Baasha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. So Ben-Hadad listened to King Asa and sent the commanders of his army against the cities of Israel. And they conquered Ijon, Dan, Abel-Naim, and all the store cities of Naphtali. When Baasha heard of it, he ceased fortifying Ramah and stopped his work. Then King Asa brought all Judah, and they carried all the stones of Ramah and its timber, with which Baasha had been building, and with them he fortified Geba and Mizpah. At that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Aram and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubim an immense army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars." Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison. For he was enraged at him for this, and Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. Now the acts of Asa from first to last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the thirty-ninth year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet. His disease was severe, yet even in his disease he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. So Asa slept with his fathers, having died in the forty-first year of his reign. They buried him in his own tomb, which he had cut out for himself in the city of David. And they laid him in the resting place, which he had filled with spices of various kinds, blended by the perfumer's art. And they made a very great fire for him. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we have sung today about the race that you have given us to run. A race that we need to finish well as we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Oh God, teach us what it means to finish well. And to run until the day that you call us home or until the day that you come again. Oh God, give us grace and strength and teach us, Lord, this morning what you would have us to learn from your word. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When you read this text of Scripture, 
you might be tempted to think that Asa was not a very good king. But this chapter isn't the whole story because if we read back in chapter 14 and 15, you will notice that Asa was a man who began well, a man who continued to seek the Lord for many years, but he finished very poorly. Perhaps you've seen people run a race, and when they get started, they are often running, and they are running well, but then they come to the very end of the race, and it just seems like they, they almost die on the track. They just aren't able to finish well. And that's what we see in the life of Asa then, a man that started well, a man who was running well, but then he came to the end of the race, the end of life, and he really fizzled. He didn't finish very well. And it's not because God didn't want him to finish well. The Lord said the eyes of the Lord are roaming throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are completely his. And that is God's desire for us today as well. The eyes of the Lord are roaming throughout all the earth that he might work in us and through us that however many days or years God gives us to run, that we might finish well. So how do you finish well? I would suggest this text of Scripture teaches us two lessons. We finish the race well by remembering God's faithfulness. By remembering God's faithfulness. Asa was a man who did not have the blessing of a godly father. And so when you see what he did when he first became the king of Judah, it really is a little surprising and it is very encouraging. Go back to chapter 14, starting at verse 2. It says that Asa did good and right in the sight of the Lord his God. For he removed the foreign altars and high places, tore down the sacred pillars, cut down the Asherim. And he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah, and the kingdom was undisturbed under him. He built fortified cities in Judah since the land was undisturbed and there was no one at war with him during those years because the Lord had given him rest. And so think of it. Here was a man who did not have a godly father, but when he was appointed as king of Judah, here was a man who began to seek God. And as he was seeking the Lord, God was blessing him. God was providing for his needs. God was giving him rest from all the nations around him. But whenever you prosper like Asa did, you can be sure that someone is going to want what you have. And that's exactly what we see with Asa. If you dumb down to chapter 14, uh, verse 9, you'll see that Zerah... The Ethiopian came out against Asa and his army with an army of, note this, a million men and 300 chariots. Now, I would say that's a pretty good-sized army, a million men. 
If you look at verse 8, you see that Asa had a pretty good sized army himself. 300,000 from Judah, 280,000 from Benjamin. That's 580,000. But that's being outnumbered almost two to one. A million men coming against your army of 580,000. If you've ever played sports and you've been double teamed, you know what a challenge that is. And so here comes this huge, huge army against Asa. What did he do? When faced with such daunting odds, he did what a godly king ought to have done. Chapter 14, verse 10 says, So Asa went out to meet him, and they drew up in battle formation in the valley of Zarephath. And then Asa prayed, and look at his prayer in verse 11. He said, Lord, there is no one besides you to help in the battle between the powerful and those who have no strength. So help us, O Lord our God, for we trust in you. And in your name have come against this multitude, O Lord. You are our God. Let not man prevail against you. Isn't that a great prayer? Lord, here's this army. They are much more powerful than we are. But God, You are our God. And we trust in You. And we believe that You are able to give us victory against an army that's twice the size of ours. And God did. Verse 12 of chapter 14 says, So the Lord routed the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah. And the Ethiopians fled. Asa and the people who were with him pursued them as far as Gerar. And so many Ethiopians fell that they could not recover, for they were shattered before the Lord and before his army. And they carried away very much plunder. So think of that. Outnumbered two to one. They said, God, you've got to help us. And he did. He gave to Asa a very wonderful victory. If you think of what God did for Asa, you would think he would never forget it. I mean, how could you forget a battle like this where you have an army of a million soldiers coming against you with all kinds of chariots and God routes them. He, he wipes them out. How could you ever forget a victory like that? But when facing an enemy... That was nowhere near as powerful as the Ethiopian army. Our text tells us that Asa took silver and gold from his own house and from the temple of the Lord. And he went out and he hired the king of Aram to help him in a battle against the king of Israel. Did he forget what God had done? How could he have forgotten the wonderful victory that God had given? So instead of relying on the power of God, as he had done in the past, he came up with, well, we call it a man-made solution, huh? Here's a battle. I need help. I need to hire someone. Maybe the king of Aram will, will help me. Now, some might say that Asa's plan worked. After all, when Asa hired the king of Aram, the king of Israel then withdrew from Asa 
And Asa didn't have to go to war. And so some might think, well, that was a smart maneuver. What a diplomat, huh? He hired someone else and he didn't have to, to do battle. But notice what the Lord said to Asa through the prophet Hanani in verse 7 of chapter 16. It says, At that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Aram and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. And then notice verse 8. He reminds him of what God had done for him in the past. Verse 8. Were not the Ethiopians... And the Lubim, an immense army with very many chariots and horsemen. Yet because you relied on the Lord, He delivered them from your hands. Don't you remember what God did? Then verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that He may strongly support those whose heart is completely His. Don't you realize God is looking for people who are going to trust Him? And then the prophet says, You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars. There's the first lesson. In finishing the race well, we need to remember God's faithfulness. We need to remember what God has done in the past. And as we face the challenge of today, that's our encouragement that our God is a great and awesome God. Why do we study the Old Testament? Because we see the hand of God throughout history. Why do we study the New Testament? We see the hand of God throughout history, His promises, and how faithful He is. And that's what we need to stand upon as we think of running the race and finishing well, is that we have a God who is faithful. Remembering God's faithfulness. The second lesson we learn from the life of Asa is that we finish the race well by respecting God's warning. Respecting God's warning. Notice what happened after the great victory of the army of Judah against the Ethiopians. The prophet Azariah came to Asa with a message. Look at chapter 15, verse 1. Now the Spirit of God came on Azariah, the son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. And if you seek him, he will let you find him. But... If you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now, there was both a message of encouragement as well as a message of warning, wasn't there? Asa, as you continue to seek God, he will provide for you. He will bless you. He will be with you. He will give you victory. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. 
Now, it's interesting to notice that when he heard this word from the prophet, his first response was to immediately take it to heart. And he did very clearly. Verse 8 of chapter 15 says, Now when Asa heard these words of the prophecy, which Azariah the son of Obed the prophet spoke, he took courage. And it goes on to describe how he removed all these idols out of the cities, out of Judah and Benjamin. He restored the altar of the Lord, which was in front of the porch of the Lord. And then he gathered all the people of Benjamin and Judah, and, and he, he brought them to the temple, and they assembled there, and they sacrificed 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep. And then verse 12 says, They entered into the covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their heart and all their soul. So when he heard that word from Azariah the prophet, he took it to heart. We've got to deal with our idolatry. We need to put away our sin. We need to seek God. And they renewed the covenant there. And God blessed. And one other thing he had to do was to deal with sin in his own family. Because if you look at verse 16 of chapter 15, it says, He also removed Maka, the mother of King Asa, from the position of queen mother, because she had made a horrid image as an Asherah, and Asa cut down her horrid image, crushed it, and burnt it in the brook Kidron. Now that takes a little boldness, doesn't it, with your family, your mother? But he was serious. He took to heart the words of the prophet, and so his immediate response was to seek the Lord. And as he and his people did that, God blessed them. And so do we see, we see a man from the time that he first began to reign throughout many years of his life was a man who was seeking God. But then we come to the end of his life. And we see a sad ending, really. A very sad ending. In the 36th year of his reign. So for 36 years, he had been a, a godly king. When he was facing that battle against the king of Israel, he uh, found a man-made solution instead of seeking God. And God reminded him of that. He said, because you've relied on the king of Aram, verse 7, you have relied on the Lord. There are going to be consequences for you. The king of Aram has escaped out of your hands. Verse 9, from now on you will surely have war. And God made this message known through another prophet by the name of Hanani. So first, Azariah, and now Hanani. And I find it very interesting to notice how Asa responded to this word from God. Verse 10 says, Then Asa was angry, and he put Hanani in prison, for he was enraged at him for this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. So instead of thanking him 
for a, for a message that he needed to hear because Asa had been seeking God all his life and then this trial comes and he, he turns to a man-made solution. Asa should have thanked the prophet. And he got so mad, he, he threw him in jail and he began persecuting probably people that, are, that were godly people in agreement with the prophet. It's like pride just really took over in Asa's life and as if to say, you know, I'm the king. I don't have to listen to this. I don't have to take this. And so instead of thanking him, he was angry. And that's not the only way he didn't respect God's warning. In the 39th year of his reign, that would have been three years later, there was another battle he faced. And that was a personal battle. It was a, it was a battle with sickness. And notice Asa's response to this in verse 12 of chapter 16. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet. His disease was severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. So Asa slept with his fathers, having died in the 41st year of his reign. So two years he suffered with that. And even after that length of time, he still didn't seek the Lord. Isn't that a sad ending to such a good reign? Thirty-six years, you get the impression that it was, they were years of, of really seeking God. And then the last five years of his life, we're looking for human solutions to problems that only God could deal with. He didn't finish the race well. The New American Commentary says this sickness, which might have been seen as a warning from God and an expression of his displeasure at recent events, did not cause Asa to seek help from the Lord. He had fallen a long way from the promise of his early years. You know, some of us here today, and maybe several of us, you know, we're getting to the last leg of the race. You know, we've lived more years now than we're likely to live ahead of us. And the question is, you know, how, how are we going to finish? Are we going to finish well? Paul in Acts chapter 20, which was read this morning, talked about his race. He says, I don't know what lies before me except there's going to be bonds and afflictions that await me. But he said, none of these things move me. Neither do I count my life as dear to myself that I might finish the course. That I might finish the race that God has given to me. And it's obvious that Paul was was serious about that because in 2 Timothy 4 then, which was read as well this morning, he is coming then to the end of the, the race. He says, my life is being poured out like a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. And what did he say? I have, I have fought the good fight. 
I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And that ought to be our prayer. Shouldn't it be our prayer, Lord? That when we come to the end of the journey, and we don't know when the end of the race will come, but when we come to the end, to be able to say, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. Kept the faith. Those verses have taken on great meaning to me, especially since my dad died. Because those were the last verses that I read to him before he died. He had come to the end of the road and could say that I've, I've finished the race. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. Finishing well is not going to be accomplished by our own human strength, our own willpower. And that's why the Lord, through the prophet, told Asa in verse 9, The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. God isn't looking for strong men. God is looking for those whom He can strongly support. And that's the key, isn't it? What are we in ourselves? We are weak. But our God is mighty. He is strong. And I want to be one of those who can say at the end of the race that I finished well. Fought the good fight. Finished the race. Kept the faith. Will you be one of those whom God can strongly support? One of those who daily come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm weak. Fill me with your spirit. Strengthen me. Give me all that I need to run the race today. And run the race well. Until the day that you call me home. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we know that it is good to start well, but help us to finish well. Help us, Lord, to rely upon you day by day, as Asa did in his early years, admitting his weakness and calling upon you, O God, in your power and your majesty and your glory and your strength. Lord, we are weak in ourselves, but you are strong. And so we come, Lord, and we bow at your feet today and we say, O God, help us to finish well to run the race until you call us home or until Jesus comes again. Lord, thank you for your word. Use it to encourage us today. Draw us to yourself that we might experience your power and your strength this day and in the days to come. For we pray in Jesus' name.
Amen.